Coming up on today's show, we go around the league and talk the NFL's kicker crisis, Odell Beckham Jr.'s comments to ESPN, and the battle between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Ramsey. The Browns won another game. How big was Baker Mayfield's final drive? And how good can Denzel Ward be? We play another rousing edition of Am I Trippin'? And pick our Tomahawk Studs of the Week on another Monday edition of The Tomahawk Show. Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show presented by Uninterrupted. I am your co-host, Andrew Hawkins, joined as always by my guy, Joe Thomas, as well as our third and fourths here on the Tomahawk Show. We got the Zerminator and Natty Ice. How's everybody doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing good, Nat. I'm here in Cleveland, just uh, still soaking in the sun here after a big victory. Two in a row at home, and uh, there was a few fans in Cleveland that wanted to remind me that the Browns right now, after week four, no, sorry, after week five, excuse me, are undefeated at home. Think about that. Now one of them's a tie, but there's a lot of good vibes going on in this city. Zerm, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. Like Joe said, it's pretty wild that the Browns have not lost a home game this season. That's not something we've been able to say in a long time. And um, so uh, Hawk and Nat are both in New York. Joe and I are both in Cleveland. And soon we will all reunite in the very same place, very soon. Yes, we are going to reunite. And uh, the Browns are undefeated. It's a great time for the Browns fans. Uh, Listen, make sure you interact with us here on the show on social, at Tomahawk Show on Instagram and Twitter. Use the hashtag Tomahawk to send us any questions, concerns, comments. Um, NFD, we haven't been able to directly speak with him, um, but I think he's speaking with us through the Kansas City Chiefs, who was his Super Bowl pick for the year, and I thought he was an idiot, per usual. But he's actually a genius because they are 5-0, and and they look like the toast of the NFL. Yeah, especially after what happened with the Rams yesterday. Now, the Rams got the win, but they did not do it in spectacular fashion. It took them the whole game to beat the Seattle Seahawks, who I don't think are very good this year. And uh, for them to have to score as many points as they needed to in order to beat Seattle makes me a little bit concerned about that defense. We thought their defense was going to be really tough in the secondary, but they've had a few injuries. And they're struggling a little bit because, let's be honest, Right now, this Seattle Seahawks offense is not the same offense that we've seen in years past, and they shouldn't be scoring 30-plus points on the L.A. Rams defense. That should just should not be happening. Uh, so the, the Rams had to win a squeaker out there. And uh, Kansas City, man, I mean, they, they looked okay the week before, but this week they looked unstoppable again. Great offense, defense shut them down. And I think it's fair to say right now that Kansas City is probably going to be the number one team in the Tomahawk power rankings that we don't release this week. Yeah, I love that we keep them uh, undisclosed. That way we can always say that we had it right. Um, But, you know, I agree that all week Jalen Ramsey, who obviously likes to talk, you know, when we I had up my individual matchup as Tyreek versus Jalen Ramsey. If I'm being honest, Jalen Ramsey actually held his own. Not held his own. He actually probably won the battle of the individuals between the two. Tyreek might have got him once or twice, uh, but Kansas City like had to get creative to try to get Tyreek the ball. It wasn't like they were just going to say, hey, because you guys are talking smack, let me just line you up against the best defender in football. But like you said, still, the Kansas City Chiefs defense, they were kind of the ones who showed up. Now, granted, it's Blake Bortles, and Blake Bortles is going to do what Blake Bortles does, which is turn the ball over and 
not be that good. Um, even though he passed for a stupid amount of, of yards, they didn't run the ball whatsoever. I think they actually kind of screwed the Jaguars. But I'm I'm on the Chiefs bandwagon heavy and the Mahomes bandwagon. That guy, he looks like he's the real deal, man. Well, let's talk about the game that Bortles have, right? He had a ton of yards, but that's what happens when you lose in the NFL, right? That's that's why picking losing quarterbacks is a good strategy in, in DraftKings. It's because they're going to put up a ton of yards and they're going to get a ton of garbage touchdowns. And then at the end of the game, people are going to look at the stats that didn't watch the game. They say, well, the quarterback had a great game. Well, you no, know, because all he did was take the underneath stuff on the field against the prevent defense. So uh, I think Blake Bortles, unfortunately, after my take from last week where I said he was a, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, has now fallen back to earth and he is now <laughs> back to the regular Blake Bortles that we have come to know and love for the last few seasons. He he was throwing passes that even for Blake Bortles, I was like, I can't believe he threw that pass. He threw one like right at a helmet or something that it was like, dude, what the hell are you doing? It was him and Tannehill threw like a hook shot interception pick six that was pretty ridiculous too. So, well, yeah, let's let's finish the, the Tyreek Hill, Jalen Ramsey, because you said okay. Jalen Ramsey won that. Mm -hmm. Is that what I heard? I I think between the one-on-one -on -one matchups, I think Jalen Ramsey won. Now, clearly I have no leg to stand on when I'm talk, talking about cornerback receiver play, but I'm going to say that Tyreek Hill is not a possession receiver. He's not, gonna, he's not like Jarvis Landry or Edelman who's going to have 10 catches, right? He's a deep threat. Mm -hmm. So he catches one deep ball and he, get, he catches four passes. To me, that's kind of what he does. Now, granted, he didn't have – three or four big catches and touchdowns but four catches 61 yards to me that's kind of who Tyra E. Kill is and I think he wins that matchup for me if Jalen no. say I shut him down I took away what he does best he had no deep balls he had no plays in the game that shifted the momentum no none of those uh you know plus 20 passing plays none of those big running plays and overall you just limited him to nothing but just garbage and he didn't do that so in my book he did not win that matchup four catches for 61 yards is garbage for Tyreek Hill hey that's like uh your average for your career exactly so, uh, so you, if, you can't if say that's garbage it, it's garbage for Tyreek Hill yeah that's the problem you're putting him into the five eight receiver box like he he is <laughs> exactly. not he's not a uh just a quick slot this guy is game breaking speed and they are relying heavily on his playmaking ability. He's their number one receiver. So don't – if your number one receiver had four catches for 61 yards, you're not going to say, man, you had a really good game. Did they win? Of course. Did Jalen go home with an L? Yes. So from a team game, but one-on-one -on -one matchup, I can promise you Tyreek Hill didn't go home and say, man, I really – I held my own and I stood up to the challenge today. No, he's not feeling good about that. This is a guy who had – who opened the season with like 260 yards and three touchdowns. Like every time he touches a ball, he's looking to score. He had the one, like, good play in a, in a spot in the game where it didn't really kind of – it didn't matter. But beyond that, they were doing reverses, shuffle passes, and he was out of the slot against Jalen Ramsey. He did not do much. I'm going to say, too, the difference here – and I, this is why Tyree Kill is probably sleeping last night thinking that he got the best of Jalen Ramsey is because the game was out of hand early on. So they weren't in any need to go to Tyree Kill. It wasn't like – they had a close game where they were going to stick to their game plan and continue throwing the ball down the field. They didn't need to. They were up the entire game on the Jaguars. They beat their ass from the beginning till the end of the game. And so 
there was there was not a normal offense being distributed towards Tyreek Hill. And if there was, I think he would have had 10 catches for over 100 yards. Yeah, well, I don't want to belabor the point, but I'm going to, Joe. I got, I'm, I'm going to kick it back to you this way. I've got to speak a language. Since you're a lineman, and i got to dumb it down for you and give it to you in a way that you can digest it, just like a, a mama bear and her baby cub. If there was a DN playing against the Cleveland Browns when you were still playing, and he talked all week about what he was going to do to you, Joe Thomas, and then you got in the game, and then 90% of his snaps, let's say he ended up with two sacks, and 90, three sacks, 90% of his snaps came from the right side of the line. Would you respect it? Do you, would you say he won that matchup? So are you telling me that most of Tyreek Hill's catches did not come against Jalen Ramsey? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. He had the one big catch, but it's like this. If you are a top guy, it's hard to even have that back and forth if you're not a guy that's going to line up against the top corner. If they're playing the, the Bengals, there is, there is no question about who Jalen Ramsey is matching up against because they have to put him on top of A.J. Green. They're playing the Falcons. There is no question about who Jalen Ramsey is going to match up with the majority of the game. Now, as a guy who, again, who has vertically challenged, yes, you have to find creative ways to get him the ball, but Tyreek Hill is a game breaker. He has to get to the point where it's like, hey, it's my best on your best, and otherwise it's, What's the point of even talking stuff? Because you're only matching up against them five times, six times in a game. And for the most part, Jalen Ramsey, when he got his hands on Tyreek, he wasn't able to do much. Last time I checked, Tyreek Hill lines up and then a cornerback decides who's going to cover him. Not the other way around. Tyreek doesn't go to the secondary and point and go, hey, Jalen, I want you in this play. You need to come over here. Well, that's my point. <laughs> so, so... So your, your point is that uh, Jalen got the best of him because he decided not to cover him. No, Jalen got the best of him overall because when they individually matched up, Jalen won way more of the battles than he lost. He lost pretty much one battle. Okay. And that was the one time he didn't get his hands on him going down the field. For every, me, if I gave Every up, other time he didn't, get, he didn't get open. For me, if I gave up one bad play, one bad sack – that's a bad game I lost. Yeah, but a sack is like a touchdown. So he didn't give up a touchdown. It'd be more like <laughs> it'd be more like he hit the quarterback after he let go of the ball. After he threw it. And so he probably got a 15-yard personal foul because he yeah. probably landed on him with all of exactly. his body. He let all of his weight drop on the quarterback in a <laughs> devastating manner. It was just horrible. Was all horrible. right, we were going way too long with this Jalen Tyreek. I want to talk OBJ. Zerm, do we got any OBJ topics? Oh, oh, we do. So, so OBJ actually had his best game of the season yesterday. He caught his first touchdown of the year, and he threw a touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley on a cool trick play that the Giants uh, ran. Uh, they still lost, so they're now, I believe, one and four in the season. But previously, leading up to this week, uh, OBJ had done an interview with ESPN where there was a lot of weird stuff going on, where he was taking some pot shots at Eli Manning. He was asking why they don't throw the ball more than 20 yards down the field. And uh, little Wayne was there to advise him <laughs> on his interview as well. Naturally. Naturally. Every time I talk about my quarterback, I was always hoping little Wayne was there. <laughs> <laughs> so my question to you guys is, now the Giants, they lost, but Odell came out after the game and said that he addressed the team and it actually brought them closer together. Even though if you saw Pat Shermer's pregame interview, he was not thrilled with Odell's comments. Um, my question to you guys, if you guys were on the Giants, 
and you're getting ready for this game. And all of a sudden, this interview drops with Odell where he's just sort of airing out some, some frustrations with the offense. What do you guys do? Are you guys saying anything to him? How do you guys feel about the comments leading up to the game during the week? I'm just curious about you guys putting yourself back in, in his shoes. Yeah. No, I've seen OBJ's comments, and I hate to be this guy, but I agree with everything he said. Now, I would agree with you if you said that wasn't the right way to do it. Yeah. But- <laughs> if I had a nickel, you gotta grab one way to go air all my grievances to ESPN. That's a great way to handle it. Oh, okay, I would agree there were probably different ways to get that point across, but everything he said was the truth. So, what are we even talking about, man? I mean, Odell Beckham threw a 24 yard pass to Saquon Barkley yesterday. It was the first touchdown pass of 24 yards or more by the New York Giants since week five of last season. So it was a whole year, and Odell was the one to do it. So everything he talked about where he said they don't throw the ball 20 yards downfield, he was right. And he's right from a receiver standpoint that when – from a wide receiver, I don't care how good you are. You know, one thing that I was always known for is my ability to beat man-to-man because I'm quick, I'm fast, I change direction well. You know, it's the only advantage to being 5'7 on the NFL field. (laughs) So at the beginning of seasons, or especially early in my career when people weren't expecting it or they didn't have a a book of film on me or a book of film on my offensive coordinator I was super duper effective but what happens is once defenses once defensive backs get the drop on what route you run what passes your quarterback is willing to throw it makes everything more easy so at the ends of seasons once they realize that Andy Dalton or Brian Hoyer or Johnny Manziel isn't going to throw certain passes or they're only going to go to him in these situations or in these passes it makes it easy for them to cover him. The same is for Odell. It's hard for him just to hurry up and take slants for 60 yards every time. He does want balls down the field. If they know oh, Eli doesn't feel comfortable throwing the ball 30 yards downfield in a cover two or in the, in the holes or in the middle of the, the field, yes, he's right. It makes it easy to cover him, making his job that much harder because every time he doesn't have 120 yards, we're saying, oh, he's overpaid. If he doesn't have two touchdowns, we're saying, oh, OD, OD, OBJ isn't having a great season. No, that's not the case. It's the fact that they have a book on Eli Manning. So, yes, it's frustrating him. Again, the way he explained it, probably not the best avenue to go about it. I wouldn't have went with Little Wayne. I probably would have – Drake would have been my number two guy. You're more of a Drake guy. Yeah. More of a Drake guy. I think Drake would really drive the point home for the, the fans. <laughs> but the, the things he was saying, they're, they're pretty accurate. There would have been too much man love going on if they had Drake on that show. He would have been hugging him too much to get anything out of OBJ's mouth. Uh, no, I got I got a few questions for you. One is just sort of like an in-the-weeds football question. Okay. So, all right, let's say the, the ball is not getting thrown down the field like we talked about yep. in the first few weeks with Andrew Luck. You know, he wasn't throwing the ball down the field. Sam Darnold uh, against the Browns on Thursday night football. They weren't letting him throw the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. What – coverages can you play to take away all the underneath stuff if you're not worried about the down the field throws cover two okay cover two because it limits the window especially for an outside receiver i mean you have the turkey hole the phrase coined by gruden which is between the underneath corner coverage and the safety um and you have to be a really effective quarterback in the middle of the field which is typically the area of the tight end or the slot receiver so from an outside guy it's hard to get in that also a slant if you're if you're a good route runner, a slant is open, which is a lot of the times what we see OBJ getting, which is why you always see him in the slants because people are just playing cover two to him. They're just rolling a guy over top, rolling one underneath, and making Eli beat him somewhere else. But like you said, it, it makes the job really, really, really hard. 
would a team play a lot of quarters trying to take away all the all the short stuff no yes and no i mean you can pretty much get to it how, how you want to cover two is probably the hardest for outside number one guy who expects a lot of footballs because it just it just limits your route tree so much it's like this yeah. when people are watching the games and you see a third and eight as a receiver when everyone's like oh man why would he throw it deep there or you know like the dumbest play in football to me is when it's third and eight we run routes at eight yards it's the dumbest play and the reason why they're hard to do is because the defense isn't stupid they're going to say hey let's just sit at the sticks so you have to be willing to go deep, you have to be willing to go for it all because they're just going to play what the first down marker is. That's essentially what they're doing to OBJ. It's like, hey, we know you're not going deep. So when I'm running full speed, no matter how well I'm selling the go route, I know you're stopping at 15 yards or 10 yards or 20 yards at those kind of checkpoints because we know Eli isn't throwing it. He's not throwing a go ball. So I'm just sitting on your hip and I'm waiting for you to break and I'm going to break with you and you're either not going to be open it's going to be a pass breakup or it's going to be an interception. And it's going to make you look like you can't get open when the, when the fact of the matter is we know what you're running. So, all right, the inability of the Giants offense to throw the ball down the field, who do we give that blame to? Do we give it to Eli Manning or do we give it to Pat Shermer? I, I would say Pat Shermer, but he's only been there this season. They still weren't throwing the ball down the field over the last – let's say year or two of Eli Manning. I think he's just at an age where he does not feel comfortable just heaving it down the field because all we do is kill Eli Manning for throwing interceptions. Um, his arm probably isn't the same as it used to be. And he's, he just has stage fright, man. I mean, you just, when things get bad, Joe, everybody reverts to what they're comfortable with. And Eli is just at the point where he's not comfortable throwing it downfield. Okay. Let's take it one step further. Did the Giants make a mistake not drafting a quarterback and drafting Saquon Barkley instead? You know what? That's a tough one for me. I don't think they made a mistake because Saquon Barkley looks like the next coming of Barry Sanders to me. That mm -hmm. dude is legit. I, I get the arguments that it was time for a quarterback, but at the same time, again, Saquon Barkley is a once-in-a-generation talent. Like – when you watch him, he is special. The things he's able to do athletically, the way he breaks tackles, the way he changes directions, I'm okay with taking that player. Even if the Browns would have drafted him first overall with no quarterback, and we were, let's say we were 0-5 right now and not looking great, I still would have felt okay because, to me, that guy is he's just a, a franchise changer. All right. Well, as we pivot to our next topic on three and out, should the Giants have taken a kicker? with that number two pick instead of Saquon Barkley, because it seems like the state of kickers in the NFL is just absolutely dreadful right now. It seems like every team in the NFL has a problem with their kicking. Mason Crosby's missing five kicks, the guy that's normally so reliable. And we just moved the extra points back because it was too easy. Maybe we should move the extra points back up because it seems like everybody in the NFL has problems right now kicking the ball. That's what I was going to say. I hate to be this guy, but – I am going to be this guy. I miss when it was a three-yard extra point. When it was easy <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, it's the stupidest play. I miss that, man, because I, I hate a world where the kickers determine so many football games. And it seems like every week there's multiple teams that lose because their kickers can't kick it past 15 yards. And I think statistically they were moving it back because they wanted more people to go for two because they see that as a more exciting play. But – I would say it's probably not a statistically significant difference, the number of people who are going for two now versus extra points, because you don't see it anywhere. Everyone's still just trying extra points, and they're just missing. 
So either NFL head coaches haven't really figured it out yet statistically where they need to go for two more and it's going to come or the move back didn't have the intended outcome from the NFL standpoint. Yeah. Do you think they're trying to eliminate kickers from football? I don't know. They're not doing a very good job because (laughs) when all of them are bad, that to me just raises the demand for good ones. Why are they so bad though? I don't understand how all of a sudden they can't make extra points. Well, I think the the real issue here is that they've become undervalued. I, I don't know. I haven't had anybody from an analytics standpoint explain to me why kickers aren't valued right now the way that they used to be. And I know there's got to be an argument out there because there's all these teams that are getting rid of high-priced kickers because they don't think they're worth it. And these are smart people that are running these franchises, but over and over again, they, they dump the kicker and then they have kicking problems. And I just, I don't understand because NFL games so often come down to a kick. You know, in an NFL game, it's three or four plays that always make the difference. And a lot of times one of those is a kick whether it be a long field goal or a missed extra point or a missed field goal. I mean, just watching the Browns game yesterday, the Browns kicker missed uh, an extra point and the game winning field goal was like a knuckleball that barely went through. It looked like Hawk going out there toe bombing it. And it was, I mean, can you imagine if the Browns would have tied that game because their kicker missed another kick, two kicks in that game? I mean, they already tied the first game because of all the missed kicks against the Steelers. And so I, I just think that, uh, NFL teams right now, the pendulum has swung too far, and they just don't value kickers the way that they used to. And they shouldn't. Um, I, I, <laughs> oh, our, our friend Pat McAfee is not going to be happy with my mm-hmm. comments, but I hate when they decide games, man. I hate it. I never like punts. I, I like watching my son play Madden. My son, when he plays Madden, I watch him. He fakes it every fourth down. <laughs> and from, any, from his own one-yard line on the opposing one-yard line. <laughs> And it's not like he calls a play. No, he lines up for a punt. And it's always a pass to the gunner or a run by the up back or a, a pass to the the wing on PAT. He just completely eliminates kickers from the game. And it's actually entertaining to watch. And if you look at the analytics, I, I did a paper at Columbia. I don't know if you knew this, Joe, but mm, right before I played for the Patriots, I graduated from Columbia. <laughs> uh, and I, my final paper in one of my classes was like a 35 page paper on football analytics and it the research showed that it's actually more favorable to go for it on like fourth and under four yards like fourth and under four you should just go for it every single time I can't remember the exact um, research and I'll get that and post it online Mm -hmm. but it basically said that you're more likely to do better to win if you just continue to go for it on on fourth and short. And that's been the cliche thing in football for a few years now because there was a high school team that was really successful. I don't even know where they were, but they always went for it on fourth down. And and I feel like, I don't know, maybe that was three, four years ago, and that kind of sparked a discussion across the NFL. Hey, maybe teams should go for it more often. But I think in the NFL, defenses are so good. I would say out of all the levels in football defenses in the NFL are the best because the scoring is the least right in college and high school it's like Star Wars out there with all the offenses and all the points that everybody scores every week nobody plays any defense the kids aren't fast enough right but in the NFL I mean we get games like we saw in Cleveland what was it 12 to 9 you get these low scoring affairs where nobody scores touchdowns because defenses are good and in that case I think your probability of successfully converting a fourth down is way less and punting does make sense I agree. 
This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. All right, well, let's, let's, kick, let's kick it into the Browns talk. I feel like it's, it's time. Browns win again. That is a weird statement to even say. You sound bored of the Browns winning. It's no. just going off your tongue. Too I many didn't times. know. Like it's it's hard to roll into a Browns win again. It's been a while, Joe, since we. Oh, the Browns win again. We're going to talk about uh, another victory Browns Monday. It's funny. I did a whole bit um, on Sports Center on Snap today, where uh, I talked about how the Browns are America's team and everybody loves them, and they're like. The, the the little boy in middle school that the, the girl picks on because she actually has a crush on him. That's America, and the little boy is the Browns because people talk all that stuff, but every time they're on, they can't help but watch, tune in. They read every story. They watch every feature, all the Hard Knocks episodes, and when they win, everybody celebrates with them on Twitter. So, again, the Browns the Browns win. Joe, what are your, what are your takeaways from the game? So my question is, how long does – the Browns team remain America's team, right? Because at some point they're going to be so successful that they can't be the lovable losers anymore, right? Right. Forever people love the Cubs because they always sucked and they always lost, right? And then all of a sudden they got good. They won a World Series and now they're not the lovable losers anymore. They're the favorites all the time. So right. nobody, nobody cheers for them because they're the team that keeps trying hard even though they're not very good. <laughs> good now the Browns are two two and one and they've got a quarterback that looks like he's going to be a stud for a long long time they got a stud pass rusher a stud cornerback they're going to be a good team for a long time and now does that does that hurt the franchise I guess yeah I don't think so I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about being the villains the Browns fans are so ready to be the villains because they're so good and they I can't wait to see how obnoxious the Browns fans are going to be when they're consistently good and they deserve every bit of it. Like, Oh yeah. They're like Warriors do, fans. Am I right? How long do, yeah. How long do <laughs> NFL fans put up with the Browns fans being obnoxious now that they're good? It doesn't That's matter. what I want to know. Do they get a couple years, two, three years, and then it gets annoying or what? Who cares? That's the thing about the villain, man. He doesn't care what anybody thinks of him. The obnoxious one, he's obnoxious because he doesn't, he doesn't give a damn. That's a classic take from a Patriot. I'm not surprised <laughs> I'm to hear that. I am a pack. All right. All my teams won this weekend. That's a really big deal. Mm. Literally every team I've ever played for won this weekend. Joe, do you know Andrew Hawkins Day is coming up? Did we talk about that yet? We didn't. I'd love to hear about it. What do I get 10, in the mail for Andrew Hawkins Day? Do I get a present um, for enduring Andrew Hawkins Day? No, man. You get the call off of work. It's a Sunday. Ooh. And you don't have a real job. So either way, you're good. But 1020, it might be a Saturday. 1020 is Andrew Hawkins Day in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. It's all anyone is talking about here in New York City and L.A., the places that I frequent. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to do something special, Joe, um, for you and the fam on such a joyous occasion. But back to the Browns winning. Baker Mayfield, the thing I like most about him over the last three games is when he's on the field, he looks like the better quarterback between the two. Like I haven't, There hasn't been a game, even against Derek Carr, where you're like, man, I want the other guy. Baker Mayfield has still been the guy, and that's, again, that's, that's new territory for Cleveland. Joe Flacco, uh, Super Bowl-winning quarterback, at one point the highest-paid quarterback mm -hmm. in the NFL. Baker Mayfield clearly outplayed him. 
I, yeah. I totally agree. And I'm, I'm going to say the, the Ravens were the best team that the Browns have played so far. They've got good special teams, good offense, good defense. I mean, that offense is playing at the level uh, that they played at when they won the Super Bowl. That defense is at that level. I mean, this is a Super Bowl contending Ravens team, in my opinion. And for Baker Mayfield to be able to play a complete game like he did, go through overtime, bring the field, the, the, offense down the field during overtime Mm -hmm. for the game-winning field goal that was really impressive the composure the poise that he had and by my account he only had one play where I was uh, thinking wow that was just a really bad throw bad decision he had one interception and uh, you saw fewer of the mistakes that hurt him in the Oakland Raiders game and he continued the decision making when the pocket broke down and he had to start scrambling whether to decide to run the throw he continued to make really good decisions in those situations. You know, a lot of times what happens is rookie quarterbacks can look really good when everything happens the way they expect. All of a sudden the pocket breaks down, Mm -hmm. they have to start running, they have to ad lib, and then that's where the wheels fall off. That's where they throw the interceptions. That's where they get the intentional groundings. That's where they fumble the ball. But we haven't seen that from Baker. He is just as dangerous, if not more, when the pocket breaks down and he starts to scramble. And that's been the most surprising thing so far in the last couple weeks for him. Well, you said it right, but his healthy amount of picks is what I'm still excited about. (laughs) He's a young quarterback because if he doesn't throw that interception – there's like five or to six other plays that he doesn't make because he's scared to make the other throws, you know? So you can't take those plays without the bad as he gets older, as he matures, as he, as he develops and turns into a really, really good quarterback, he will eliminate those. They'll still be there. Not as probably as frequent, maybe not the one a game that we're seeing, but the special thing about Baker. And I said this in a breakdown on Twitter is that when he buys more time in the pocket, now, I go back to Johnny, and not to compare the two, but Johnny was a guy who could buy time because he was very mobile and he could, he could you know, avoid, avoid tackles and sacks. Johnny would avoid the sack, of buy more time in the pocket, and then it was kind of just a scramble. And I guess that's what a scramble is, but more like to the sense that it was whatever happens, happens. I might throw it to a lineman. I might throw it. If I something flashes, I might do this. I might run it. I might. It was really just you bought more time, and this is just extra. We'll see what happens with Baker when he buys more time and he keeps his eyes downfield and not like in a way where he's just looking for an outlet. He still has a a very good understanding of where everybody is. So he understands the defense and the offense schematically. So when he buys more time, he looks directly to the windows that he knows are open based on the coverage. And just the ability to do that, for instance, the final drive where he hit Willie's in the middle. Him buying the time, getting his eyes right back to the hole, it created like a two yards of separation. From the defender and that was all he needed to, to throw a perfect ball in a place where only the receiver could get it and the db was at a position boom big gain just by him understanding defense and he does it every single time when he buys time you can tell he still knows where everybody is and is going to be and that's what makes him special and that's why he's been so effective moving out of the pocket there's been quarterbacks who i don't get excited about when they're scrambling right and baker is one of those guys much like russell wilson that when he gets out of the pocket you're like, you know, what? there's a good chance he's going to complete this ball because you can't give Baker a lot of time. Any defense that you give too much time, they're going to break down schematically. That's how you beat defenses. Give them all the time in the world for people to chase receivers and, and tight ends. Baker dices them every time, and that's what's exciting. I hardly saw Baker confused from a coverage standpoint at all in that game. And after a couple of weeks, I fully expected that that Ravens defense was going to be able to 
dial up some looks that were able to disguise the coverage in a way that it would force Baker to make bad throws into the bad areas. Mm -hmm. But from my naked eye watching it from the stands, it didn't look like there was any times where they fooled Baker, which Mm -hmm. is so rare for a rookie quarterback. And and even – his recognition of coverages where he should take off and run. Like, I think there was a couple times that the Ravens were playing two man and he realized that he could just take off and run for it. And he get, he got some really big gains with his feet just by recognizing the coverage and understanding when teams are playing two man, like there, there's not a lot of throws that are going to be available. And if you can get out of the pocket and run, everybody on that field has their back turned except for the two safeties that are like, at least 200 yards deep right so you're going to be able to run at least 10 or 15 yards even i remember old guys like uh philip rivers could run for first downs when we used to play two man in the in the red zone all the time it's like the red zone coverage and uh (laughs) the chargers and even philip rivers could run for a first down (laughs) against that coverage but you have to recognize and you have to be able to get out of pocket quickly because the, the otherwise the defense has exactly what they want and they're going to cover you and then their their sackers are going to get home and, and hit you in the face and land with all their body weight on you and then it's a penalty. Yeah. Here's the thing that you spoke about that is completely right that bodes well for Baker. Defenses will get books on new players, right? The, you'll catch them off guard, then the defense will watch you and get a book on you and say, okay, this is what this guy likes to do. Similar to the Odell conversation we had with Baker – it's going to be hard for them to do that because he just throws to the open man. And I get that sounds like, yeah, duh, that's what a quarterback is supposed to do, but it's not the case. Again, we all have tendencies. When things go bad, you're going to revert back to what you know. Like when shit hits the fan, I was blessed with speed. I'm going to run. That's what God gave me. That's my go-to, Joe. I don't know what your go-to is, but everyone has their things. When shit gets thick, you just revert back to default. Baker doesn't have a default. He will throw to anybody like Willie's in a crucial part of the game. So it's going to be hard for defenses to say, oh, he's going to throw to this guy. He likes to do this. No, because Baker spreads it around. Andy Dalton, when I played with him, he had to develop into a quarterback because he was so used to just throwing it to his easy button, A.J. Green. And once people caught wind of that, it took him a while to say, okay, I got to start, you know, spreading it out, doing this, doing that. And that helps you develop as a quarterback. Baker Mayfield has that already. My easy button in life is just to been to take a nap. Yeah. Anytime shit gets thick, I just go to grab my knapsack, pull up my <laughs> pillow, and pull the blanket over my body and just lay there for a little while. And then I feel better. Bro, that is such a real take. Because shit <laughs> just breaks down. You know what? I'm going to sleep this off. I'm, I'm just going to sleep this one through. I'm going to wake up. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, it usually is. All so, right. What about Denzel Ward? Let's talk about Denzel Ward, man. What are your thoughts on Denzel Ward so far? I think he's been playing great. You Healthy know, there's a few- uh, a few a few times in the game where I thought he could have played the coverage a little bit better, especially when he was in man. But uh, he looks awesome. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. That guy's been spectacular. He's been – everyone kind of expected the first pick in the draft, Baker, to be great. But the fourth pick, when they took Ward instead of uh, the pass rusher, Chubb, everyone was like, oh, that was a bad decision. You, you can't take a short corner fourth overall right he's turning into the andrew hawkins of the secondary in in cleveland short but mighty let me tell you he is all over the field not only uh, with his coverage and his forced fumbles but the way he intercepts the the ball i mean (laughs) let me tell you his interceptions they're amazing i'm a huge fan i might get a jersey look man he i think he's right now he's probably the best corner in the division you know which i wow 
Seriously? Yes. I, I genuinely think that because you know how big turnovers are. Like the Browns lead the the league in turnovers or turnover march or one of those. And he's a big reason for that. If you have a cornerback that once he gets on the ball, he's going to take it away. That's special. I don't care what he does. Every corner is going to get beat, especially in today's NFL where you're giving quarterbacks all this time. You're penalizing everybody for doing anything to receivers, for roughing the passers. Blake Bortles can throw for 460 yards. Corners are going to get beat in this NFL. So him getting passes caught on him, that's not a big deal. If you can get passes caught on you, much like every other corner, but you can take the football away, that changes the tide. That's special. Turnovers, I used to tell corners, every pick is a million dollars. Like, mm. if you get nine picks in a season, eight picks in a season, that's what you're going to end up making, that plus some on a yearly basis. Like, every pick, it's like same for receivers, it's the same as touchdowns. Every touchdown you score is basically a million dollars. However many touchdowns you score in a season, it's about how many millions you'll make a year. So the fact that he's able to take away the football at a consistent on a consistent basis – that's special, man. Him and Baker are two very special rookies who are playing like they're people that have been in the league for years. How much do you think the interceptions and the turnovers that Denzel has had were just being in the right place at the right time? And how much was skill of putting yourself in the right place at the right time and then making the play when you have to? Opportunity meets preparation. So I, it's football. There's luck involved in all these things. Like, you know what I mean? There's just sometimes you luck into things. Sometimes you're at the right place at the right time. When you prepare, that's genuinely what ha- that, that's typically what happens is you put yourself in the right situation. So I don't care if it was all luck. The guy is making the plays when the opportunities come. And there's been a lot of corners and a lot of players that have not done that. All right. Well, I think it's time for another Oscar-worthy edition of MI Trip and Zerm. Is it time? It is time, and yes, we have been recently nominated for an Oscar. It's very again, exciting. So we have so I, many in this show. I know, and we're, I think we're going to clean up again um, when, the, when the awards come. All right, guys, so this one, obviously close to, to Hawk's heart. But guys, the Bengals are 4-1. and one. They came back from 17-0 yesterday. Am I tripping, or are the Bengals like a legit, a legit Super Bowl contender? Uh, I say yes, and here's the reason why. The Bengals have not won a playoff game in what seems like forever, maybe since like the 80s or something like that. And I had Marvin Lewis on my radio show yesterday, Operation Football on ESPN every Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern, shameless plug. And we were talking about the win that they had, and you could just tell he did not care. He genuinely did not care that they were four and run. The reason is they could win every single game the rest of the season. They could finish the season 15 and one. And everybody, they could still clean house in Cincinnati because the only thing Cincinnati Bengals fans want is a playoff win. They've had a good team for years now. They're not the same Bengals that you think of in the 1990s, which we should probably do a show around because the stories I've heard are ridiculous. But they are a team that needs to win a playoff game. And from what I see of this team, I just think they're special. Andy Dahl is playing at the top of his game. A.J. Green. Again, I think is one of the best, if not arguably the best receiver in the game. And I think once playoff time comes around, this team is going to be more motivated than ever. And I think there's a good possibility that they could run the table when the playoffs come and get a chance at the Super Bowl. Well, the difference right now with this Bengals team versus the last few years is I think this offense is legit, legit. They've always had, you know, a good offense. Mm -hmm. A.J. Green, Eifert, 
Giovanni Bernard. They've always had 300 yards passing. They've always scored some points. But I always just kind of thought that the Bengals' offense was good, but just a little bit better than average, but not great. Right. But all of a sudden now, this offense is great. Bill Lazor has got that offense really, really playing well. Andy Dalton's playing the best of his career. A.J. Green, we all know what he's doing. And even without Tyler Eifert yesterday, that offense in Cincinnati was spectacular. And you combine that with a pretty good defense, and they could be dangerous. And I definitely hope the Browns don't have to see them in the playoffs because I know the Browns are going to be in the playoffs. I like that. Uh, and uh, whoever they see is going to be a tough battle when you play the, the, the Bengals. Joe Mixon for the Bengals. In two years, he'll be a top three running back in the league, if he's not already. That dude is special, man. He's like, he's next level special. Out of the backfield, can catch the ball, run the ball, change the direction. He has like kind of that patient style run that Le'Veon Bell has. If you haven't had a chance to watch him, Joe, I advise you to tune in because he, he's going to be legit. All right, guys, next up. Um, so Pittsburgh Steelers running back James Conner yesterday had his second game of 100-plus rush yards and two rush touchdowns this season. He also did it against the Browns in week one. And shout-out to Chuck, our stat guy, for this incredible stat. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has never had multiple 100-plus plus rush yards and two-plus rush touchdown games in the same season. So James Conner has just done something that Le'Veon Bell has never done. So, guys, am I tripping, or did Le'Veon Bell, has he played this, has he played this entire situation incorrectly? I'll start this one. I do think he played this situation incorrectly. Not the entire thing. I think there was a point where he should have probably crossed the line, whether that was showing up week one and playing this whole season or whether that was taking the deal. But regardless, if we're talking about James Conner, I think the reason why Le'Veon Bell has never done that is because Le'Veon Bell, although James Conner is good at receiving out of the backfield, Le'Veon Bell is like kind of next level. So he could do both receiving and rushing just as effective as a running back and a receiver. So just the way that they do it is different. But I think Connor is the real deal, man. He's just a, a big bruiser back. I think he's perfect for the AFC North and specifically in Pittsburgh. I think Le'Veon Bell misplayed the situation, but not because of how James Connor is playing right now. I think Le'Veon Bell should have just showed up, played the season, taken his money, and then gone to free agency and gotten as much as he possibly could. I think just skipping paychecks the way he's been doing right now is not the smartest way to do it. Right. But just because James Conner has a couple hundred yard rushing games does not mean people are going to forget about how great Le'Veon Bell is. I mean, we, we, we all know how great of a running back he is, how good he is catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's a weapon for any offense. So just because James Conner had a couple really good games, uh, which a lot of people would say is large part because of that offensive line and yeah. because of the situation that he was put in, they're not going to forget about Le'Veon Bell and how good he is. And, and some other team is still going to pay Le'Veon Bell. Agreed. All right, guys, final Am I Tripping? The Eagles, the defending champion Eagles, they dropped to two and three yesterday. They lost a close one to the Minnesota Vikings in a really good game. Um, again, from our guy Chuck, only seven previous defending Super Bowl champions have started a season two and three, and only one of those rebounded to make the postseason at all, and that was the 1996 Cowboys. So, guys, am I tripping? Or are the Eagles in danger of missing the playoffs the year after they won a Super Bowl? They are definitely in danger, and they better be hitting the alarm and panic button over in Philadelphia because not only are the Eagles 
uh, defenders not playing very good, but that offense with Carson Palmer looks bad. I'm just going to say beyond rusty, they, they look bad right now. They, they can't score points. They're not sharp the way they have been in, in uh, the last year and a half. And it's scary because the, even though the NFC East is not exactly a very powerhouse division right now, I think that the Eagles are going to be left out of the playoffs this year. I don't. I think you're tripping. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. Look at the division. They got the Cowboys, who is run by mixed black Mark Sanchez, and then they got the Washington Redskins, who are going to finish eight and eight because Alex Smith is their quarterback no matter what. And you got the Giants, who is uh, being advised and consulted by Little Wayne and Cash Money Records. <laughs> I think because of the division they're in, the Eagles are still the most talented team. Wentz will get his legs back under him. He'll he'll get his rhythm. They'll finish and win the division and, and head into the playoffs. I think the team is just too talented not to. The Redskins are going to win the division, and the Eagles are going to be out of the playoffs. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much. All right. All right. What we got next? What are we going to do? Our next, next segment, Zerm. Uh, Wait, next hold on. Segment. You, I just mixed Zerm and Firm. Is that his, I like that nickname better. Zerm. <laughs> oh, the, ver, the Verm? Okay, I'll take that. Also, Joe, I believe you just referred to the Eagles starting quarterback as Carson Palmer, but we're going to let it slide. <laughs> Did I say Carson Palmer? This, this Let me tell you, it was a long night here in Cleveland. We were <laughs> celebrating the big victory. Life, life is good. I, uh, bra- the brain cells not working as clearly as they usually do on a Monday morning. <laughs> yes, no, it's very acceptable. And it's no wonder they're not going to make the playoffs. Carson's pretty old, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. we'll yeah, Carson wins! <laughs> All right, guys, it is time, as we do every Monday morning following uh, a weekend of great football, it's time to pick our Tomahawk studs of the week for week five. Uh, Hawk, let's start with you. Who is your Tomahawk stud of the week? I hate to do this to Browns fans because I know they're going to want to gut punch me, but I got to go with Isaiah Correll, man. Running back, New York Jets. I get we don't have a, a very good taste in our mouths in Cleveland with Isaiah, but the dude went off 15 rushes, 219 yards, which is a franchise record. And a touchdown and a win where they smoked the Denver Broncos. Crow was one of those running backs, dude, who was like strong, fast, physical. And sometimes it seemed like, oh, it's just because he's all we got in Cleveland. No, this guy is legit and he's proven it on a bigger stage. So that's my start of the week. Hey, I got a question. Um, I don't think we ever talked about the touchdown celebration that Isaiah had where he took the football and used it as toilet paper. Hawk, what was your impression of that touchdown celebration? <laughs> well, I couldn't help but laugh. You know, like, because these guys, are, Crow was like a kid to me. You know, like, they were rookies when we were, like, old and we, like, were, like, the, the big brothers of them on the team. So anytime I see stuff like that, like, I didn't get mad. I was like, ah, oh, Crow, what are you, ah, this, this kid. You know, but he got a toilet paper endorsement from Dude Wipes, which is like. <laughs> Did he really? Grow, yeah. Dude <laughs> no Wipes way. paid for the fine and they oh signed him God. to an endorsement deal. Dude Wipes no is like an adult baby wipes. Why didn't we think of that? I've actually used Dude Wipes before and it's actually quite comfortable. It's yeah. actually a nice experience and uh, maybe we should uh, wipe the Tomahawk script on our booty <laughs> and then we can get some uh, endorsement deals so I can get some free man wipes yeah, or whatever they're like called, Dude Wipes. <laughs> Yeah, it's better than stealing my kids' baby wipes, which is what I do. This is going down a real bad path. Yeah, do you – hey, I got a real question. Do you flush them down your toilet? Uh, I flush them down other people's toilets, yeah. Because <laughs> isn't that supposed to be bad <laughs> yeah, for the – It's supposed to be bad for the system. environment. Are you trying to catch you, me up? 
with the <laughs> environmentalists that listen to our show. So, so you take baby wipes to Zerm's house and then you use <laughs> yeah. them and flush them down his toilet. Just oh, what a friend you are. I'm having a lot of plumbing problems and I thought, <laughs> I think I now know whose fault it is. <laughs> oh, my, well, hey guys, my Tomahawk stud of the week is not one person. It's 11 plus people. And that's <laughs> okay. the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Let me tell you, Jacksonville Jaguars offense, They picked him off, uh, Blake Bortles off four times. They sacked him five times, and they limited him to 14 garbage points. So Kansas City Chiefs defense, all of a sudden they came to life. All those suckers on fantasy who were picking everybody in the Jaguars because they want them to go against Kansas City's defense, you were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The Kansas City Chiefs woke up from the dead. It's almost Halloween. They're, they're, They're pretending to be somebody that they're not right now, and they played really well. So they're my stud of the week. Boom. All right, guys, as we wrap up our show, as we like to do at the end, a quick no huddle segment. And guys, I know this is all something very close to all of our hearts, but Josh Gordon got into the end zone for the first time as a Patriot on Thursday night. What were your emotions like watching the former Brown basically go up and just grab a ball between two defenders in the end zone from Tom Brady and his uh, first touchdown as a Patriot? You know what? It's it, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a quick analogy like this, which I don't know if it's a real analogy because I've never actually experienced it because I'm super vindictive and vengeant and vengeful. But it's like when you're in a relationship, you end the relationship with someone, and then you see them happy, and they go marry somebody, and they're doing well together, and you're like, you know what? I still care for that person, and I'm happy they're in a good place. That's what I felt with Josh Gordon, seeing him catch Tom Brady's 500 500th touchdown ball the 71st person he's ever thrown a TD pass to, which is an NFL record. I couldn't help but smile just knowing, and I, I get Josh has been through a lot for Cleveland fans have been through a lot with Josh and vice versa. But just when you know him personally, you know, like the personal demons he's, he's dealt with and he's trying and getting his life on track. There was a time where I thought that Josh's life was going to spiral out of control. We'd never hear from him again. He would never be back on the NFL field. Football wasn't even my concern anymore. It was about his personal well-being. So to see where he's at now, um, to see him not only playing football, but hopefully still on the track to putting his life together, I couldn't help but smile ear to ear. I was proud of him. I sent him that text and told him that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a better situation for everybody involved, Cleveland included, and I think he's just in a a better place. So it was cool to see. I'm happy for Josh Gordon. I I hope this – allows him to continue to get his life back on track and he's able to have a happy and successful career. Obviously there's a little part of me that still wishes he was in Cleveland, especially with what Baker Mayfield's doing. I'm so sad that like we got rid of Josh. Before. He was, he's really the missing piece of this offense, by the way. Honestly, like <laughs> I, I can only uh, wish and just dream about what it would have been like with Josh, because I think if Josh would have been getting those balls, it would have been a different story maybe in Cleveland, but who knows? But I, I, there is a point you got to just part ways with the player. And so I'm happy for Josh. Just I hope he doesn't score too many touchdowns. That might be a good topic for the next show. Did we pull the trigger on Josh a couple weeks too early? If we would have known Baker was going to play and play this well, I don't think they would have got rid of him. Oh, geez. All right. What we got next for him? Guys, I think that's going to do it for us uh, this Monday edition of the Tomahawk Show. So uh, take us out. All right, make sure you follow us on social, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Tomahawk Show. Make sure you're joining our DraftKings League. We'll recap the winners of this week in our next episode. Subscribe, rate five stars, uh, send to all your family members. We appreciate you joining us here on the Tomahawk Show. As always, Joe, do you have any final thoughts? 
Final thoughts, Browns undefeated at home. Let that sink. I like it. Nat, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>